at all the national stories you want to hear the U92 sports staff talk about. And at the bottom of every hour, tune in for breaking news on all of the top stories in sports by members of the U92 staff. And finally, live sports on U92 The Moose are the bread and butter. Tune in for coverage of both WVU soccer teams, women's basketball, baseball, and WVU hockey. Live on U92, 91.7 FM, and U92TheMoose.com. You're not going to want to miss any of the sports here on U92. Pick up a copy of the Daily Athenaeum every Thursday morning from a newsstand on campus. The Daily Athenaeum is WVU's independent, student-run newspaper, reporting on what matters to you. Reporting by students, for students. Pick up a copy today and read more at thedaonline.com. The Don Plitzewite era begins this season for Mountaineer women's basketball. Hear all the play-by-play here on U92. Here's Dean Southeen driving down low, looking for the left. Count it! And the foul! Oh, what a bucket! Tied game with the free throw to go! Coverage of every single home game for Mountaineer women's basketball with pregame coverage beginning 30 minutes before tip-off here on 91.7 FM, U92 The Moose. Bear chips one in. Header attempt is into the back of the net for West Virginia. And the Mountaineers take a 2-1 lead. It's Adam Birchall, the transfer from the University of Charleston, finishing it for the Mountaineers. Your play-by-play coverage of Mountaineer men's and women's soccer. Pre-game coverage beginning 30 minutes prior to kickoff of each home game. Here on 91.7 FM, U92. to the U92 studios. It's going to be a long one tonight. 6 to 10, we're here on Sports Night. With all of your Mountaineer coverage and all the other fun stuff going on on the campus of Morgantown, or of the campus of West Virginia University here in Morgantown, I should say. It's been about a month since you've heard from us, unless you tuned into women's basketball last night where the women crushed TCU at home at the Coliseum. I'm Tanner Lambert alongside old Sean Tansky and Mr. Tanner Mount. So you got two Tanners and a Sean tonight for four hours. Because the rest of our colleagues are all over at the Baylor game at the Coliseum tonight. Unbelievable. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Uh, still don't know Off where the jail and bridges. It won't be. <laughs> no. Still don't know where the old Sean Tansky comes from, it's just but maybe old, not old. O L E. Oh, old. Oh, okay. Old. No, I'm not calling you old. I mean, you are the oldest here, but yeah, you know what? Actually, that is true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just realized. You're right. That. So Tanner does not know this yet on the other side of the room from me, but you guys will be playing trivia tonight. Yeah, Sean was telling me Sean, you got some Sean fun games. About this? Okay, I got 15 different questions I've come up with throughout the day. I can't wait. <laughs> um, some of them are Revolutionary War. Oh, my God. Some of them are current sports, and some of them are just other. So we'll see how you guys do. You know, I'm not, 
I, actually, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to talk a big game before you, man. But yeah, that usually that's usually your downfall. There. I did. I did enjoy. I did enjoy Revolutionary War. Uh, you enjoyed school. war in school when we talked about it. So we'll see. I, I can't wait to see what these questions you came up with, Tanner. I'm very, very excited. Well, they're they're going to be really fun. <laughs> I, I don't have any worries. For me so. or for you? Uh, well, if you get them right, they'll be fun. Oh, okay. So we'll see how smart. Big F. Big this guy, F. This guy's so smart, he's wearing a Carson Wentz shirt. No. Andrew. Uh, AJ Brown. Oh, oh, okay. Andrew. Uh, okay. Well, that's, that's fine. Well, uh, for the next... A uh, while here, so we're going to talk about this West Virginia women's basketball team who really had a great night last night, guys. Sean and I were there, um, and they really shut down defensively. They were great. Four points allowed in the first quarter. Shut down TCU's leading scorer, Tommy Taiwo. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we learned how. Four points, I think, is what it was, Sean. Yeah. And, and, I mean, overall, they played a really good game. You could say the second quarter wasn't great, but they were still able to score in the second quarter. Just defensively, they didn't do what they did in the first quarter, but allowing a team to four points in the first quarter, you can allow them to 24 or so in the second. Yeah, definitely when you look back at that game, that second quarter is going to be an outlier. Uh, and the big part is, I know we talked about it a lot last night, is they just got out-rebounded at some points of the game. And you're going to look at the final statistics, and they're not going to have – it's it's not as one-sided as – I believe they're fairly even with how they were with offensive rebounds. Yeah. But in that second quarter, it just felt like TCU had so many – uh, possessions where they would miss uh, a shot, but they would grab their own rebound, and they would either score or they would draw West Virginia into a foul. Uh, they took a ton of free throws. I think it was twenty-two uh, or something. They now, yeah. they took twenty-two free throws. Fortunately for Mountaineers, they weren't able to convert on all of them. Yeah, they took. Or that they could took, have been they, a different game. They were ten to twenty-three. From yeah, the so. They got to the line a lot, but they weren't able to convert them. But, yeah, no, defensively, they were very sound. And I think, you know, offensively, we know it's going through Madison Smith and J.J. Quinterly. But you know what? I think defensively, it starts with them, too. They are really versatile, high-energy guards. And they caused fits. Uh, Tomi Taiwo, as we said, she came in averaging 15 a game. And uh, as you said, coming off a game where she made eight threes, she was held to yeah, pretty much nothing all night. So that, that credit to the guard play by uh, this West Virginia Mountaineers team. Yeah, Tommy Taiwo comes in after a game where she scores 33 points with eight threes in Lubbock at Texas Tech in a loss for TCU. But that's a heck of a stat line. And, you know, we said it last night, Tanner, I, I don't think I've ever seen a college player, men's or women's, hit eight threes in a game. Yeah, I, I probably can't not. think of anything like that. Like that's Probably not live, no. Eight is, I mean, that's a lot of threes for anybody, anywhere, even in the pros. Uh, so you hold her to five after a performance like that. So the defense started there, and they locked everybody down. Only one player in double figures for TCU uh, with 13 points, Lucy Abay, last night. She had a night, too. But, you know, Sean's talking about these rebounds that are timely, right? So both teams finished with 38 rebounds in this game. And he's right. There were two different possessions in the third or in the second quarter, rather, where – they had three rebounds offensively in a row and then finally got a shot to go where they went to the line. I think a big part of that is because Kylie Blackston got into foul trouble early. She's one of the taller players on this team, so she wasn't able there. She wasn't out there to be able to help. But that definitely, you know, I I think played a factor. And again, at, at the end of the day, it wasn't too one-sided and they were able to clean up and they won huge. But that's just something you you would hope they work on. Uh, come when they have to face more opponents 
uh, in the Big 12. Yeah, so a 77 to 45 final, Tanner, a 32 point victory at home in a Big 12 conference matchup. Gets you back to 500. You won at Kansas State on Saturday. You won last night. Now you got number 18 Baylor coming into the Coliseum on Sunday. Uh, that's a lot of momentum, I would think. You know, Coach P says they're taking it a day at a time. They had a day off today, which they haven't had in a while, she said. So uh, everybody was excited for that. But you got to be locked in when you're playing Baylor on Sunday, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to tune in that TCU game. But from what I'm hearing, you know, that's kind of been the trends of this team uh, this entire season. And like you said, this is this is a moment for Coach P to get that first like staple win uh, to really you know make her mark in this Mountaineer program which you know we've been waiting for. She's had her opportunities uh, with Oklahoma coming into Morgantown, Iowa State, um, and of course NC State. But those, the NC State game, watching that one, that was just a total different level of talent um, on the court between the two teams. But yeah, uh, bringing Baylor in, I think it's a winnable game that would be huge for the Mountaineers going forward, especially then as you have to travel to Kansas in another ranked game right after that. Um, it'd be nice to you know roll over a big win um and head down there but yeah and Baylor I mean they're undefeated in the conference they're three and0 so far they're number one in the conference again they sit at 18 they're not the highest ranked team that's Iowa State who the Mountaineers played tough they just couldn't get it done right that you know that, that that's one of the things about women's basketball is you have a lot of talent at the top and then it there, there there's a not, you don't want to say a drop yeah in talent because you never know what can happen on any night right but uh, a lot of the players, let's say, that are in the top 100 are going to the top 10 schools or so, and then they fill out everywhere else, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit different than um, – well, I guess you could say it's not really that different than men's basketball in that way. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like – I know we talked about this before, but it's like how college basketball – yeah, you always have your blue bloods that you expect to right. be there. But for – but, you know, some – like look at Kentucky this year. They're not even ranked right now. They're struggling. Yeah. Whereas in women's – College basketball, I feel like, you know, UConn's always yeah, going to be at the top. Yeah, UConn's been Final Four every year since um, 2004, Sean. Yeah, so, yeah, so, but, the, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. You might, but, like, those top, top schools right. are always, also always there. Right. The other names, Stanford. Yeah, Carolina, Stanford was the one I was thinking you, of, you too. UConn, yeah. all there How do you top. even put that on a banner? Like, just 20 straight yeah, they years just have different Final banners. Like, <laughs> is, that sure. one, is that one banner with all it the years? Or is we'll that have to ask Hamilton. He'll know. Yeah, he would yeah. definitely we'll know. Because if you put 20 different banners up in that gym, that men's team has to be – you just get tw- you have probably what because how many national titles do they have? Uh, a lot. A lot. Yeah. I don't, so like, I'll, I'll get you that number. You here. put all those banners up in that gym. Like you got to be running out of yeah, wall space at that point. <laughs> and then you got the what the two men's national titles there. Probably it's they have eleven. Yeah, so that'd just be thirty-one banners right there. They, they had a three-peat <laughs> from two thousand two to two thousand four. So I guess they've made every Final Four since 2002, not 2004. Wow, that's even more impressive. four in a row from 2013, 2016. That's when they went on that like crazy run where they never lost. Yeah, either. yeah they had that. Yeah, it was like 150 that. It, it was a crazy number of games. So, like, yeah, the talent is really at the top uh, in women's basketball. But that doesn't mean you can't be a top 25 team who no. could make the tournament. No, not at all. Um, and, and, you know, Sean's favorite point last night was, well, they at least outscored the football team. Uh <laughs> So there you go, 45 points for the TCU women in the building last night. Let's talk about this Mountaineer offense, Sean. Uh, You know, Maddie Smith had been struggling for a couple games there, but last night she lit it up. She lit it up early, then kind of didn't shoot as much the rest of the game, but she hit her first three or four shots in a row and was over 10 points. She was almost to her average in the first. Well, like like when we, uh, when the press afterwards, you asked her, you know, she was, 
before the game, she was honored with her thousand yeah. points. She had that basketball. You know, you asked her, is that something, you know, that could energize you? And she said, yeah, you know what it is. It is pretty special. Um, but, yeah, after, you know, we weren't able <laughs> – with the technical difficulties last night, we weren't able to get to all of our talking points and wanted to see into the game. But one of the ones I was going to bring up was over those past few games, it was really J.J. Quinterly who was really taking the charge uh, because, you know, they're – you would say they're both the best players on that team, and she was able to, you know, carry the load. And then last night you saw, oh, this isn't just a one-guard show. Maybe one of them will shine, then the other on a, on a uh, specific night. But really, in and out, you have to pick your poison if you're guarding them. And that was the case there. It was Madison Smith's night. Yeah, that's something we saw last year a little bit with Maddie at the end of the year with the injuries on this team. It was just the Maddie Smith, you know, you don't want to say Maddie Smith show, but it was kind of her out there, and if you could stop her, this team wasn't going to do much offensively. But this year, and especially as of late, entering Big 12 play, you see J.J. Quinterly being able to clean up the foul trouble she's been in and play a lot of really good minutes for this team. Um, and Jayla Hemingway had been playing well prior to last night as well. Uh, coming into this game, though, you know, you had three 20-point scorers on Saturday. It really, really seems like this offense is getting better, guys. Yeah, and the start of the season, it was looking like the defense is what's going to be carrying this team. Right. Uh, the shooting was uh, very poor, uh, shooting around the basket, free throws. Um, nothing looked great uh, in terms of the offensive side of the floor for the Mountaineers. However, now they're starting to come uh, into that light and carrying that defense with them as well and kind of putting it together. Um, and it's starting to make a really dangerous team. You guys are talking about it, that J.J. Quinterly and Madison Smith, like one-two punch. Um, in the in the backcourt is um, a, a tough challenge for any team, honestly. Yeah. Being able to stop both of them um, because now they're getting to that point where you know if Madison Smith's shot's not on, JJ Quinterly's attacking the basket, making things happen, and vice versa. It's it's a really good one-two punch. And what I really like about how uh, Coach P deploys both of them is she'll sub them out and she'll just have. There was instance last night. And all season where it'll just be Madison Smith in the game while JJ's on the bench, right. and then they'll swap Madison for JJ just so they could lead the charge because they both can lead the offense. And then you know at the end of the game or at the end of the half, you'll have your, the full starting lineup again. You have them both in. So just the fact that they're both capable of able to lead this offense that really speaks volumes uh, again to just their abilities as players. Yeah, and, and you know it's not just the two of them, right? Jayla Hemingway's had a really good season th uh, thus far. And we've seen Kylie Blackston have some flashes when she can stay out of foul trouble. But one of the players who doesn't start and comes off the bench and gives good minutes to is Savannah Samuel. And she was really, really efficient last night. Four of nine and one of three from beyond the arc. Four for four at the line, which you will take every day, mm -hmm. with seven boards for a total of 13 and seven. That's a, that's a really good night from her coming off the bench. She was really, really good last night. And then some of the other transfers in, you know, Danny Nichols, she plays solid minutes for this team and can give them a shot when they need it. Uh, same with Sarah Bates. But then really the story last night was Tavi Diggs, right, Sean? Tavi Diggs, TCU transfer into Morgantown this year, so she's playing her former team. And then you see Blackston getting into foul trouble, and Tavi had to play a lot more than you know we expected her to. And then she puts up a 4 of 8 number with six boards. It, it was a really, yeah. really good night for her, too, and I'm sure it felt good after the fact. Oh, definitely, you know, quote-unquote revenge game. Uh, but, she, she, yeah, she really gave them solid minutes off the bench. And, you know, I... I think her defensive presence uh was really felt there again even though they there were stretches where they uh, where tco was getting offensive uh rebounds they were still missing those shots and that's because uh the defense down low for the mountaineers was really strong i thought 
Yeah, I agree with that. And, and so then you look at them now, they're 500 in Big 12 play. How big is that, Tanner, right? This is a really good league. Yeah, the Big 12 is no pushover, just like in the men's league. Um, it's one of, if not the best conference uh, in all of college basketball, men's and women's. Um, you, know, you know, that that goes f- forward when it comes to p- tournament play, you know. Being able to play this tough competition night in and night out, you get used to that. Um and plus, seeding wise, because you know matchups are a huge thing when it comes to tournament times. If the Mountaineers can keep it rolling, um, which right now you'd assume they'd be in the tournament, uh, they're, but their seed's still up in the air. So you knock off a couple of these, you know, quad one wins. They say, um, add that to your resume. Your seeding gets bumped up. You can win a tournament game or two. Uh, that helps with recruiting. It kind of you know snowballs on itself, um, and it looks like Coach P is doing that and building this program in the right direction already in season one, it's a really, really good sign. Yeah, no, I I definitely think uh, Coach P deserves a ton of credit. She's really gotten a lot out of this team, a whole lot more, again, I think people were willing to think possible. And, again, it's still only her first season. And that's really a credit to coaching. You know, in college especially – coaches matter a lot and to be able to have that program builder as your coach that's really good and it's really promising you know not it's fun watching this team now in the first season of the Plitzel White era but it, you can't help not get excited to see what she could build with more years more recruiting classes and just to see her uh, staple of coaching and her imprint on Mountaineer basketball in the coming future. Yeah, I completely agree with you here, or there, I should say. And, and when you look at the upcoming schedule here for this women's team, like we mentioned already, they've got Baylor at home on Sunday. That's a ranked Baylor. Then they go to the road to Lawrence, and they play a ranked Kansas. And they'll host Texas Tech and travel back down to TCU. That That's a stretch where if you can go 3-1, and one, you're really poising yourself for a nice seed in the Big 12 tournament there uh, in March. And, and, you know, if you can make some noise in that, you really are looking at a chance to play in the postseason. And, and in year one of Coach Pete, that's a huge, huge accomplishment, right? And you've got to think, you know, what that can do for the program and, and how that can, you know, help with recruiting or the portal even, right? Because that's something, you know, we're still really getting used to, right? We're not used to that whatsoever, and the idea that you could go into the portal and get what you need rather than wait for a recruit to develop, you could have a ready-made player, right? So we've seen some of that this year with players like Kyler Blackston and Danny Nichols and Sarah Bates coming onto this squad, as well as Tavi Diggs, right? All of these girls have come out of the portal, and they weren't here, and then in the first year, they've really already made an impact on this team, so... With the way college sports are now, you, you never know. And, and so really sometimes you might have to look at it at a year-by-year basis because you could lose everybody at the portal one year, but then the next year you have a whole new lineup out of it, right? And, and so when you have opportunities, you really don't want to miss them, I think. Yeah, and that was the big question mark you know, this past um, offseason was J.J. Quinterly. Um, she, everyone kind of knew she was this young. She was a freshman last year. This young talent, what was she going to do? You know, new coach coming in. Many people thought she would leave. She decides to stay, and now you see the, you know, the team kind of being built around her. So you have those questions every year, and it's kind of you know a little coin flip. Which way do they fall? Which way um, does the crookie crumble, 
if you will. Um, <laughs> and, and luckily, this you know this past off season it crumbled our way, and you know we're able to build on that. So can Coach B continue that and continue to build using the portal? Um, not only bringing girls in, but keeping the girls on the team um, intact and keeping them here and not leaving, as we've seen with uh, men's teams and different teams here at West Virginia. Um, it's really good to see a team stay together, work work uh, through a little bit of trouble that they had last year, and now you see them come uh, up and step up into a bigger and better role this year. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And again, you know, J.J. Quinterly was a young one. Uh, you know, she's a sophomore now, and like you were saying, we didn't know the future, you know, new coach and stuff. But, you know, on the flip side of that, Madison Smith uh, being a senior now, she could have left or, you know, uh, transferred, and she didn't. And, you know, that's a really important that, – that's a really important uh, building block for, you know, a new coach to have. Have a veteran player who's been here, and, you know, it's her last year, but she could be one of – like, she will be part of the first coach Plitzel White team, and yeah. it'll be her last one. So that's right. really that's, – that, that's a good thing. That veteran presence is really important. Right. You know, you see a lot now that everybody says, oh – uh, kids in college sports, they don't really care about where they go to school. They're chasing money and stuff now with all the NIL. And I think that's a perfect example of that not being true. You come back and you stay here for your fifth year to play. You get your thousandth point in your career. All of these milestones you're hitting now in your fifth year playing at West Virginia. I'm sure it's a really fun thing to, for her uh, to be going through. And some of the success they're having right now, I think that Sean made a really good point at the beginning of this saying, you know, I don't really know what we expected out of this team, to be quite honest. Uh, first year I'd coached a lot of new players on the team. What's going to happen? 500 to start in conference play in the first two games, two on the road, two at home. You're going to take it, right? All right. First question uh, of the game.